Hey, welcome to The Scrum, WGBH News' political podcast. I'm Adam Riley, and today we are coming to you from the Boston Public Library, uh, from our studios right at the Newsfeed Cafe in Copley Square, and we are doing something a little different. This is a combination uh, podcast taping and Facebook Live broadcast. Today, we are talking with Jay Gonzalez. He's one of the three Democrats hoping to challenge Charlie Baker this fall. Jay is, among other things, the former president and CEO of Celticare Health, former secretary of administration and finance under former Governor Deval Patrick, and former chairman of the board of the Massachusetts Health Connector. Jay Gonzalez, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And I am joined, and Jay is joined as well, by uh, Shira Schoenberg. She is the political reporter for the Springfield Republican and MassLive.com and really, really uh, one of the best people working on Beacon Hill right now. Shira Schoenberg, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, we're joined as well by my colleague uh, and Scrum co-host Peter Kadzis, senior editor at WGBH News. Peter, thanks to you as always. Great to be here. Not that I have a choice. <laughs> right. Jay, let me start with one big question I had for you coming yeah. off of Governor Charlie Baker's State of the Commonwealth Address last week. You put out a really tough statement in response to the governor's speech, and I'm going to read a little snippet of it. You said, voters will have a clear choice in the upcoming election between a status quo governor who has made no meaningful difference on any issue that affects people's lives on a day-to-day -day basis and isn't even trying versus someone who desperately wants to do so and has the leadership experience to deliver on it. What jumped out at me about that was the claim that Governor Baker isn't even trying. Even if you disagree with the approach he's taking, uh, even if you think he's got the wrong priorities or the wrong philosophy, how can you say he's not even trying? Because it's true. The, the fundamental difference between his approach to the job and what I want to do as governor is he sees the world the way it is and tries to manage it better. Basically, where are we, what do we have, and what's the best we can do, as opposed to where do we need to be and how do we get there? And you look at any big issue, whether it's our transportation system or our affordable housing crisis or our education system, or you name it, we face a ton of big challenges that are holding people back. And he not only is not making any meaningful progress on these issues, there's no agenda to do so. There's no agenda other than, you know, on education, trying to create a few more charter schools for a few more kids, which was resoundingly defeated at the ballot last year. There's no agenda to really take on our transportation system, which is one of the worst in the country, 45th in terms of the condition of our transportation infrastructure, 47th in commute times. If there's anything that's going to drag Massachusetts backwards, it's going to be our transportation system. It's totally unacceptable. Okay, so you're saying that the governor is playing small ball, that his goals are not ambitious enough, his sense of urgency isn't there. But when you say he isn't even trying, do you mean that he's not working hard? It's not about whether he's working hard or not. It's whether he's focused on the right stuff. And he should have an ambitious agenda. We deserve that from our governor. These are big challenges we face that we have to make progress on. And it is not good enough to simply just try to manage our way through it. Sure, Schoenberg, let's let you hop in here. Sure. So, Jay, I know you mentioned the importance of uh, strong leadership. Um, you were chairman of the Board of the Health Connector when you were in Governor Deval Patrick's administration. Yep. By pretty much all accounts, that first version of the Health Connector was a technological disaster. 
um, what did government do wrong and what did you learn from that failure? Well, so I wasn't there when that happened. I was chair of the board of the Health Connector um, until the end of 2012 when I left the Patrick administration. That happened about a year later. While we made progress under mass health reform, getting lots of people insured who weren't insured before, our system is way too complicated for people to navigate. It isn't working for people. It's too expensive. It's crushing state government, as you know, as someone who follows the state budget closely. And it's, it's preventing us from being able to do a lot of other stuff we need to do. I think going to a single-payer system is the best way to get to a simpler, cheaper, better healthcare system that actually works better for people and is financially sustainable over time. Could you just clarify for a minute, you mentioned the health connector when you left. Hadn't they already started working on the technology for the project before that? There was initial planning that had happened um, when I was there before I left. Uh, but a lot of the federal regulations that were necessary to kind of set the guidelines for how the system was going to need to be implemented uh, and the, the majority of the work of both the vendor and uh, the connector uh, happened after I left. And there certainly weren't indications of issues uh, before I left. We could spend hours talking about single-payer health care, but we're not going to. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jay, you have a very detailed and comprehensive proposal for an overhaul of the criminal justice system here in Massachusetts. Um, there's legislation pending up on Beacon Hill now. What are the two or three important things in your policies that are not part of the legislation that's uh, awaiting passage or revision on Beacon Hill? Fundamentally, it's clear we've been jailing way too many people for way too long at too high a cost without getting the outcomes we need. We need to be investing much more in the underlying causes of crime, things like mental illness treatment and addiction treatment. More than half of the people in Massachusetts jails have mental illness and addiction. I have proposed getting rid of all mandatory minimum sentences except for murder uh, and letting judges do their job and taking the individual facts and circumstances of every case and every person who's who's accused of a crime into account. I think we need to go further in terms of eliminating cash bail and reforming our fee and fine system, which is resulting in many, many people, including many before they're even convicted of a crime, being jailed just because they're poor. Let me broaden the horizon here. And you've done your program justice, uh, no pun intended. Uh, the legislature is more engaged in this, but no matter how ambitious a governor is, it still comes down to what the legislature, especially the House, will enact. How do you bring the more grassroots legislators around over the course of a couple of years? How do you get them to be less conservative and more progressive? It takes leadership. Right now, we've got a governor that isn't asking the legislature to do anything. There's no leadership. When I worked uh, for Governor Patrick, I worked with the legislature a lot on a lot of the big reforms that we were trying to get through the legislature. I know how the process works. I'm the only Democratic candidate in this race that has leadership experience in state government getting big things done. And it isn't, despite what our president might think, there's no dictator in government. And that is a good thing. You need to listen to the interests of the legislatures, understand their perspective, and figure out if this is where we're trying to go, 
What is that path that gets us as close to that place as possible? And it takes a governor who is making the case and pushing to get to that place. I can move a very ambitious agenda forward working with the legislature. Just a, a, a quick question. There may be no dictator on Beacon Hill, but House Speaker Bob DeLeo was very close to being a strong man. Well, so I know Speaker DeLeo. I worked with him when I was in the Patrick administration. It takes leadership. It takes pushing. Sometimes there is healthy tension created through that dynamic. You know, Governor Baker constantly claims he's bipartisan and isn't that great. But to what end? If you're not getting anything done or pushing the legislature to do anything, then you're not doing the people of Massachusetts any real service. I just want to hop in to remind people, you are watching a live taping of The Scrum, WGBH News' political podcast. We're coming to you from our studio at the Boston Public Library with Jay Gonzalez, one of the three Democrats hoping to take on Charlie Baker in November, the other two being Bob Massey and Seti Warren. We have a, um, a question from someone watching on Facebook Live. Thank you for this, by the way. The question is, how do you get the legislature on board with single payer? How would you convince, for example, Bob DeLeo, who I would imagine would look skeptically at a huge change to the health care status quo like that, how do you get him and others on board with uh, single payer, which you've said you want? So when I go about making single payer happen in Massachusetts, it isn't going to be uh, Jay Gonzalez in a room by himself sketching out the entire plan and dropping it on people. It is going to be through uh, a process that includes all the different stakeholders who need to be a part of it with a governor, myself, saying, we have to do this. We're not going to get out of this figurative room until we work together to figure out how to implement single payer in a way that gets to the outcomes we need. And so I learned from that lesson and others when I was in state government, and I would take that into account as we take on big reform proposals and the big ambitious agenda I have as governor. So let me piggyback on that. Um, governor Patrick, as we've talked about, did have vision. You know, He was clearly a visionary with things like the transportation proposal. Um, but he also had some, ended up having some problems with management, with his ability to execute. Um, Governor Baker, on the other hand, is by most accounts a great manager, but as you've pointed out, you know, he, does, he doesn't have as large a vision for the Commonwealth. How do you see yourself? You know, are you more of a manager? Are you more of a visionary? Where do you fit in? I'm a leader who can manage. <laughs> Governor Baker um, uh, characterizes himself as a great manager, but I would not say he, he has demonstrated that as governor. You look at every single thing he said he was going to fix, it's worse. The budget. He got the first downgrade of a bond rating from one of the rating agencies in 30 years during a period of economic growth. And the reason they said he was downgraded was because he hasn't found the responsible policies we put in place when I was there when we earned the highest bond ratings in state history. So I'm very proud of my record as a manager. Governor Baker has set us up for a fiscal crisis. It's why he got downgraded. He is not managing the budget responsibly. He said he was going to fix the opioid epidemic. It's worse than when, when he took office. He said he was going to fix the Department of Children and Families. More kids are dying under the care and custody of DCF under Charlie Baker than under Deval Patrick. He said he was going to fix the transportation system. It is far from being fixed. And again, no ambitious agenda to get it to where it needs to be. So on management, I totally disagree that he's done a good job as a manager, and that's his whole case for being governor. He's not even trying to make meaningful progress in a lot of these areas that we desperately need to. I want to be an ambitious leader. I want us to make progress. I want us to aim higher than we are aiming under Governor Baker. I think I provide the ambitious agenda we need to actually make a meaningful difference in people's lives, 
and the experience to deliver on it. Jay Gonzalez, when you say the opioid epidemic is worse now than it was before, what are you talking about? My understanding is that overdoses are up, according to state data. Fatal overdoses, I believe, are down. Uh, what's your metric for that being worse than it used to be? Fatal overdoses are projected to be down compared to last year. They're still a lot higher than when Governor Baker took office. I have a friend whose son is addicted, tried to get into a treatment program, was ready to go back into treatment, which is the point at which you immediately need to make sure they get into treatment. He had to wait 15 days to find a treatment program that he could get into. And that is a story I hear everywhere I go. The supply of treatment resources in Massachusetts is not even close to what it needs to be to meet the demand. And this is a huge epidemic. It is ruining people's lives all across this state. It is tearing families and communities apart all across this state. And we are not attacking it with the level of aggressiveness and urgency and putting the resources behind it that we need to do. We need to respond to it at the same level as the emergency requires and the epidemic and crisis requires. How much money would it take to provide the treatment that you see the demand existing for? I don't know the exact amount, but it's clear we are not where we need to be in that regard. You got people waiting in emergency rooms trying to get treatment uh, that they need. We aren't investing enough in education and prevention. We should have a public service campaign like anti-tobacco campaign where we're all seeing this five times a day so that people understand the risks and the potential harm of uh, taking legally prescribed opioids, painkillers, and other drugs. I mean, this is a huge problem in this state that is dragging us backwards and really ruining people's lives, and we need leadership on this. Is there a problem in Massachusetts that the governor can't solve? Can or can't? Cannot solve. Well, sure, government isn't the solution to everything, but there's a big difference between the way Governor Baker sees government and the way I see government. Government should certainly be doing everything it can to take on the big issues that are holding people but, back. But, but government in Massachusetts has, roughly speaking, $40 billion a year to work with. Yep. That's it. Maybe the voters will approve the so-called millionaire's tax, which will add an estimated $2 billion, another 5%. How do you rearrange that essentially $40 billion to do everything you want to do? What do you take away from? What yep. do you add from? Because it's a finite universe. Well, it's finite unless you believe it's not enough and we need to raise additional revenue. I support the millionaire's tax because it would be a fair way, asking, asking those who make over a million dollars a year to pay more in taxes that would generate $2 billion a year that we desperately need. Would the other you thing, the the other thing I would say, then? I, I mean, do support the millionaire's no, tax no, no, increase. No, 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 not the millionaire's tax increase. That's a mere $2 billion. $2 billion on a $26 billion tax base is a huge amount. It That's is fine. the most meaningful. But would you be in favor of increasing the income tax or the sales tax? I, I support the millionaire's tax because I think that's the fairest way to get the meaningful new revenue re we need. So that is So you think that the millionaire's tax is going to give the Gonzalez administration all the money it needs to deal with the I, range of issues you're it, dealing with. It won't with. be enough to deal with everything, but it is a meaningful step forward and should be our primary focus right I, now. I understand but that, but let me why, make one other point. Republicans have it easy. Republicans are opposed to all tax increases. Yeah. Democrats, on the other hand, 
don't want to talk about tax increases. I, I talk about it every day. You talk I say about. We need, I say we need to do this millionaires tax. I also say right now the income tax is supposed to go down. Governor Baker supports that. I don't. We can't afford it. It should stay right where it is. It should be frozen. I support looking at. Um, uh, tax credits we give to businesses that are not resulting in the, in the outcomes that we're looking for. But let me say one other thing about the role of government and whether or not it can, what it can do to help people. Part of it is through the investments government makes and we make together through, through government. Another way is just through leadership and being an example. So let me give you one example that um, I am extremely concerned about. The Me Too movement. The most recent high profile example of this that just came out is with respect to Steve Wynn who is building this casino in uh, Everett. Story that just came out from the Wall Street Journal about the level of misconduct, sexual harassment, uh, sexual assault by him is disgusting, it's horrifying, and it's totally unacceptable. Alleged and we still at this point, we should note. A very extensive account from the Wall Street Journal and reporting by the Wall Street Journal. We have, as a society, been tolerating the intolerable for way too long. And we need a governor. This is one place where a governor can provide leadership and keep the spotlight on this issue and make sure we're doing everything we can to change this cultural problem. So I just came out today and said that as a result of Steve Wynn and the fact that he is associated with this casino project in Massachusetts, I believe the Gaming Commission should ensure that he steps down and disassociates himself completely from the company to which they awarded the license, his company to which they awarded the license to build this casino. And if he does not do so, they should revoke the license. This is one of those examples where government, us, can be an example and say, we are not going to tolerate this behavior. The law actually says in order for a company to get granted a casino license, the commission needs to determine that they and the people associated with it have integrity and that they have a solid reputation as honest and, uh, and people of integrity. You're watching a live taping of The Scrum, WGBH News' political podcast. We're talking with Jay Gonzalez, one of the three Democrats hoping to run against Charlie Baker this fall. Shira Schoenberg, political reporter for the Springfield Republican and MassLive.com. You want to follow up? Yeah, I mean, just to be clear, first of all, do you think these allegations could risk the Massachusetts casino? And do you think they should risk the Massachusetts casino? I believe the company, his company that was given this license, has already gone a long way down the road to developing this project. They've invested a lot of money in this. They should be expected to do the right thing. And if Steve Wynn doesn't step down himself, Hopefully the other investors and owners of that company will force him out. We should take a stand, and the Gaming Commission should say this is unacceptable, and if Steve Wynn doesn't get disassociated from this company and have nothing to do with it, yes, they should risk losing the license. So let's broaden this conversation a little bit. Obviously, this Me Too is a huge moment right now, but what role do you see state government as having in dealing with this? I mean, what, sh what, what authority or what power does state government have? I mean, should we never have a state contract with somebody who's been accused of sexual assault or sexual harassment? How do you judge that? We need to take a hard look at that and figure out what do we do to make sure these systems are actually working for people? Because I think one of the conclusions that comes out of all of these stories is they have not been working to prevent this type of conduct and holding people accountable for it. So that's one thing, but the other is, just using the bully pulpit of the governor's office and being a leader and continuing to keep a focus on this. 
One policy example, so I met with a group of restaurant workers. It is the industry that has the highest prevalence of sexual harassment of any industry, which is in large part a function of the fact that restaurant employees get paid a lower minimum wage because they earn tips. So they are totally dependent on tips for their income. And as a result, they end up often tolerating terrible behavior and sexual harassment and misconduct from customers, from managers, from cooks, from others. Uh, the stories that I heard from these women were horrifying. Uh, I have proposed getting rid of the separate lower minimum wage for tipped workers and paying uh, restaurant industry workers and everyone else the same minimum wage that everybody else is entitled to under law in order to eliminate that dynamic. In the states where they've done this, sexual harassment in the restaurant industry has gone down significantly. I don't believe Charlie Baker supports this proposal. I don't know, this may be one of those issues where he takes no stand because there are many, but this is something uh, I would make sure we get done as governor. Uh, Jay, another Facebook Live question that yep. came in, just to flashback briefly to the Steve Wynn situation. Dan asks via Facebook, given the Wynn situation, do you regret the Patrick administration's push for legalized gambling? Look, legalized gambling happened that was Governor Patrick's initiative. The law exists. We've authorized the number of casinos we've authorized. I think at this point we need to move forward with it. I, I'm not saying we should get rid of what's in place legally in terms of authorizing the casinos that exist. I'm saying we should do them uh, as well as we can, and we should not let one of these casinos be run by somebody who is the poster child of this terrible behavior that is now getting all this attention across the country. Fully get your point on that, but as you know, before uh, gambling became a reality, the people who didn't want to see that law passed said, this is going to create social ills, like for example, gambling addiction, and it's going to bring an industry known for a prevalence of unsavory characters into the Commonwealth and, and sort of get us used to drawing revenue from that industry. Do you think well, that it's the, good that we, uh, is it good that, that Massachusetts did legalize casino gambling uh, or should we maybe in retrospect have, have not done that? I don't know that I personally would have supported it. Um, I, I do not support expanding it any further. This is one place in light of the allegations against Steve Wynn where uh, the Gaming Commission, Governor Baker, uh, should be standing up and saying, no, we're not going to allow it. Even if there are serious consequences to it, which aren't in our best interest at this point if we're having to start over or whatever. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I hope the company does the right thing and Steve Wynn is out of there. But the Gaming Commission needs to make sure he's out of there. Jay, a sort of squishy question. Squishy's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when your travels around the Commonwealth mm -hmm. over the last year, what have you learned that you didn't know before? Have you met someone that stood out in your mind, you know, that made you think differently about an issue, or what have you learned to date? Yeah, I appreciate the question, Peter. It's actually a privilege to be doing what I'm doing. I've been campaigning now for a year. I've been going all over Massachusetts and meeting literally thousands of people across this state, and I'm learning a ton. I'll speak to one memorable experience, which was uh, early on in my campaign, I was in Western Massachusetts uh, meeting with a number of young college Democrats. And there was a, a young man there, a college student named Adam. 
And there were some elected officials who were, who were at this event uh, along with me. And Adam stood up and looked at the elected officials and said, what are you going to do to ensure that I and my parents, who are undocumented immigrants, Muslim, and this is in the wake of Donald Trump's initial travel bans and all, all of his, in my view, completely anti-American, inconsistent with our values approach to the issue of immigration. What are you going to do to help us feel safe? And I was just struck by the fear that was in his eyes and what it must feel like to be him in a country right now where he feels completely unwelcome. And in a state where we have a governor who is ordering state police to work with federal immigration officials to do the bidding of Donald Trump and act in a way that instills even more fear. Adam, his parents, they're human beings. They live in our community. They are going to our schools, and everybody like them, going to our schools, working side by side with us. They need to know that their governor and their government is there for them, that they are included, and that they aren't going to participate in doing Donald Trump's bidding and doing the work of federal immigration officials, which is not their job. And I want every single person in this state to know that if I am their governor, I will be there for them. Every single person needs to know their government is there for them, and if I'm governor, they will. Well, Jay, I believe what you were referring to with the governor um, in that, earlier in that comment was he um, said, basically said that um, state police, state officials can cooperate with federal immigration services in cases when they're already holding somebody who has been accused of a felony or a particularly dangerous crime, suspect of terrorism, something like that. You know, if you were governor, would you change that order? Would you tell state officials they can never cooperate with federal officials, even in cases when somebody that they're holding has been suspected of, you know, a murder or a terrorist attack or something along those lines? So Governor Baker proactively reversed an executive order that Governor Patrick had in place saying that state and local law enforcement officials should enforce state and local law. So if they could detain somebody because they committed a crime under state and local law, then they should detain them. If, if an undocumented immigrant or anyone else in the state commits a crime, they should be detained. What I object to is that if we, under Massachusetts law, don't have the right to detain someone under our criminal laws, and the only basis for detaining is a civil immigration order, then they should not be engaging in that work, which is really the work of the federal immigration officials. Jay Gonzalez, the Trump administration, the, the Justice Department in particular, has been sending letters to uh, cities that it deems sanctuary cities saying, hey, it's come to our attention that you are suggesting that limits can be put on the cooperation of local law enforcement with federal immigration authorities. Just so you know, uh, U.S. Civil Code says that is not allowed, and we are going to look at defunding certain federal programs if you persist with this policy. Do you have any sense of what the potential bottom line cost would be to Massachusetts if the Safe Communities Act were passed? Here's what I think. This is one of those areas where it matters who our governor is in terms of standing up for the interests and values of the people of Massachusetts and standing up on a matter of principle that is so fundamental that I don't think we should compromise, even if it ended up resulting in their somehow withholding money that we would otherwise get in Massachusetts. This is too important. This is an issue of principle. We need a governor who is standing up and advocating vociferously 
for our interests, and if I were governor, I would be doing that. Shira Schoenberg and Peter Kadzis, let's kick into lightning round mode here and push it a little bit. <laughs> super quick questions, super quick answers. Shira, maybe one final question for Jay Gonzalez. Sure. Um, Jay, you are Governor Deval Patrick's uh, top budget official, so it's no stranger for you that for years governors have used budget tricks, you know, one-time money that's not going to be available next year, underfunding accounts that will have to be funded later in the year. Would you end those practice of using budget gimmicks to balance the budget? Yeah, we actually made a lot of progress when I was there in being much more transparent about uh, our budgeting. One of the reasons we got the highest bond ratings in state history when I was there was because we were more transparent. We did a debt affordability policy that we published. We showed we weren't playing games with how we were counting the amount of debt we had and how much we could afford. Governor Baker has taken a, a totally different direction and has set us up for a fiscal crisis. He hasn't been funding our rainy day fund the way he should in a period of economic growth, and it is totally irresponsible. Peter Kadzis, your final question for Jay Gonzalez. Will recreational marijuana be on sale in mid-July as Beacon Hill tells us it will? Well, I think they should be working to make sure it does. They need to do it thoughtfully, but they need to do it with a sense of urgency so that they can meet the deadline and uh, carry out the will of the voters. If you were a betting man, would you bet yes or no? I would bet that um, they should be doing everything they can to get there. Okay. Right, from Facebook, uh, before we go here, Cameron says, please ask about GE and Amazon. That's open-ended, so I'm going to ask you what tax breaks, if any, might be appropriate for Amazon as Massachusetts tries to lure the company here. Look, it's great that GE's here. It, it'd be great if Amazon came. Um, but uh, I do not support huge corporate subsidies to attract businesses like this. I think what was done for GE was excessive. The and most, that was about $100 million on the state end, 100, right? 125, I believe. And the most important thing government can do to grow business in our economy is to do the things government is supposed to do well. Make sure we've got a transportation system that people can depend on to get to work on time and that businesses can uh, feel confident their employees are going to be able to get there. A workforce training system to fill our jobs. A great education system. These fundamental affordable housing. Building blocks to support the workforce that our businesses need are the most important things we should invest in. And we are not anywhere close to doing what we should be in that regard. And it is the thing. Our transportation system, our affordable housing crisis, they're going to drag us backwards. They're going to result in businesses not locating here. They're going to result in people not wanting to live here unless we have leadership and actually make progress on these issues. So I think we should be investing taxpayer resources in that and not in giving huge corporate giveaways to a company that promises 800 jobs and isn't even delivering on it. There are many businesses here in this state already. That's GE, not Amazon. That's right? GE, yeah. We've been speaking with Jay Gonzalez, one of the three Democrats who is hoping to take on Charlie Baker this November. Jay Gonzalez, thank you for taking the time to be here at the Boston Public Library. Thanks for having me. It was great. Uh, big thanks as well to Sheila Schoenberg of the Springfield Republican and Mass Live and my WGBH News colleague, Peter Kadzis. Thank you both. Thank you. Uh, and for those of us, uh, those of you who end up listening to this online, uh, thank you for catching yet another episode of the Scrum Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. We will talk to you again in a couple weeks when we're going to be speaking with Bob Massey, one of Jay's Democratic rivals. Until then, thanks again. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News. Thank you.